All right, welcome to State of the Lakers, presented by Dash Radio. Happy New Year edition. First of all, I want to extend a, a welcome to our friend Jason Maples, who was kind enough to hop in for Raj, who is celebrating elsewhere tonight. He deserved a much-deserved night off since he's been working his butt off all season. Um, but Mr. Maples, how you doing, man? I sincerely appreciate you taking the time to come hang out tonight. Oh, it's all good, you know. Ain't, ain't nothing going on for New Year's, man. It's too much COVID out there, so I'm chilling. What's going on with you? <laughs> I'm doing. I'm doing good. I'm. I, I'm waking up. I'm waking up at four o'clock in the morning to drive up to Flagstaff to go skiing. So I'm excited about that. But it's going to be a, a funky night, that's for sure. That said, I feel good. I'm excited to talk some Lakers. But I'm going to come at you with the curveball to start. So, right. so I. I am aware of the fact that the Blazers have been dealing with a lot of unfortunate circumstances. They've been hit by COVID recently. The CJ McCollum injury is weird. Dame's clearly been dealing with something he doesn't look like himself. That said, they look like every time I've seen them play this year, which maybe a half dozen times, they look like an extremely poorly coached an extremely poorly organized team that doesn't have any sort of buy-in to what they're trying to accomplish and no feasible way to get better. So, so my question for you is this, what is, what, what, what is your opinion on the Blazers and, and what in the world would you do if you were running that team? Well, it's hard to, I, you know, it's hard to throw that all on the coach. To be honest, a lot of that is, you know, Billups walked into a bad situation. Um, you know, Dane pretty much called the season a failure. If you remember his comments before going, he pretty much said free agency and the draft was a failure before they even got the training camp. So that's already in everybody's head from the jump. And on top of it, they're already not that good. Dane came out struggling. This is since that the worst thing that happened to that team was making that 2019 Western Conference Finals run. That's the worst thing that happened to that team because it gave them a false sense of reality of like where they were as a franchise, when it really should have been blown up two years ago. Um, Dane keeps saying he won't ass out. We get reminded every two weeks that he's not running from the grind. I mean, it sounds great for uh, a loyalty story, but that team is not is not going anywhere. That's the worst the worst place to be in the NBA is in the middle because you're never going to be bad enough to get that marquee player. You're never going to be good. To compete, it's just they gotta blow it up, man. Like, see, like, why isn't CJ should have been traded two years ago for a wing? The fact that the biggest failure to me is they never got Dame a feasible wing in all his entire tenure there. Never got a wing, and it's the most important position in the NBA. You could argue they never got him a wing in ten plus in ten years. Never had a this. This is a good wing for him to play with. Not to mention the fact that CJ, because of this lung situation and because of the underachieving, his value is probably the lowest that it's been in a long time right. in, terms of, in terms of on the trade market. But I, I look at it from two perspectives because from from Dane's perspective, the part that's confusing to me is the weird game he's playing in the media because, because he's like <laughs> he's saying all the right stuff about this loyalty, but there's also like all these leaks. And then there's that really weird Chris Haynes piece where he basically talked about how he flirted <laughs> with, the, with the Lakers this summer. So, and I actually got in big trouble with Blazers fans earlier this year because I just pointed out the obvious, like, look, man, this guy's clearly looking elsewhere. 
and this is clearly not a good situation for him. Why don't we just cut the BS and just skip ahead to the part where everybody's happier now? You know what I mean? That, that was what was frustrating. And then from the team's perspective, I, I look at it as, as simply as this. Like I, I saw the Bucks throw the chicken sink, uh, excuse me, the kitchen sink to try to get uh, to try to get Drew Holiday, even though they overpaid for him. I look at what the Bulls did last summer. You know, I look at I look at these teams doing everything in their power to try to put talent around the guy they perceive to be the one. In this case, Dame and the Blazers just haven't like. I mean, I like Larry Nance; it's a good player, and I also like I also <laughs> like Norman Powell. But you and I both know that those it was all about the fact that CJ, as much as I like CJ, is overqualified as a number two unless you have an unbelievable defensive front line, which they've never had. So I just, I, I look at it like the, the Blazers are clearly incapable of putting Dame in a position to succeed. And Dame is beating around the bush and it's a waste. It's a yeah, waste just, of what he's capable of. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, especially as he's getting to that age where, you know, he's in his prime right now, but you know, small guards, they get to their 30s, you know, it, it becomes, you know, a, a matter of time at that point. I just I always felt people got credit. The, the trade that most made sense was the, the CJ for Dame and then, you know, kind of make it work with picks and stuff to make it even on one side. But I thought that trade was like – Yeah, CJ for Ben yeah. Simmons. Yeah, CJ, as I said, that trade felt like it, it, it was feasible for both teams to serve the interest. Like the Philly, like, really needed shot-making – in the playoff series, a guy who can score from all three levels. The Blazers need somebody who can play some defense and can play make and put Dame off the ball sometimes. And then, like, it just felt like it felt like too perfect of a trade to happen. But Maury feels like, you know, Ben is going off for a, for a franchise player at this point, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, Portland got to do something, man. You just you, you can't waste uh, Damian Lillard's prime like like this. You, you got to do something or free him. I think ultimately what happens is. They kind of do what Minnesota did with Kevin Garnett. Like after 12 years, they're like, all right, man, we, we kind of failed you here. Uh, tell us where you want to go. <laughs> and uh, and <laughs> that's kind of Yeah, just give, just give us a list and we'll do the best we can, what offer we get. I think that's what the end game is eventually, but it's, it's time for something to happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I could see them trying to be aggressive at the deadline to build around Dame, but unless they find traction on something like that, then Dame – like knocking on the front office door and being like, listen, it's time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Um, yeah. So, okay. So let's move on to the Lakers. So, you know, I wanted to touch base with you about the rust thing, the rust fit in particular. And I know tonight's a little bit of a tricky <laughs> night for that because he played so well, but at the end of the day, that was kind of more like a pickup game that involved Lakers players than it was <laughs> a real NBA basketball. Some of the defensive breakdowns I've seen from the Blazers tonight we're worse than what Man. I see in LA Fitness, but anyway. So, so let's just cut to this point. So, after the crazy game against Memphis, I was just as frustrated as you because I thought there were a couple of pivotal mistakes down the stretch that Russ made. And admittedly, coming up front before we even talk about this, I didn't like the move to begin with, and so it's taken the better part of my being to try to force myself to see the things that he does well, to try to remain as open-minded to it as I could. Um, but, right. and there have been stretches this year where he looked really good. Actually, I'd say that he's looked good most of the season. I'll even clarify it to there, but I've been pretty frustrated after the Memphis game. You tweeted out that the Lakers needed to get off of him. 
and trade him this deadline because they can't beat good teams with him was what you had said in the tweet. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to clarify that and to elaborate it on a little bit. And then I'll give you my two cents. All right. So th- this is what this, this, this is where I'm covering. So I kind of like Raj has explained before, like I saw the Lakers vision as far as like why they wanted this, why LeBron kind of pushed for it. And, you know, I think it was to, try to bring his workload down a bunch, which which it hasn't now that you look at it, which, you know, it hasn't, which is fine because LeBron is, is a tank, so whatever. Um, the other thing was just, um, you know, LeBron's always wanted more playmaking around him. Like, he's always pushed for not being the main guy to make decisions, and, and I understood it from that standpoint. But, dude, just uh, – and I was with you. I was like, I'm, I'm against it, but I want to see if it works first because this is the first time – in Russell's career that he was going to be asked to be a number three, you know, not number one, not a number two. So that's what I was kind of hoping for. Maybe this time could possibly be different, but just the decision-making late in basketball games. uh, I'll say this. He has eliminated those little mid-range pull-ups, the the early shot clock pull-ups that I hated. Mm. He stopped doing that. He he has become somewhat self-aware. Like I'll give him that much. Like the bad shots are, are, aren't there anymore. It's just the decision-making, the bad turnovers, um, he's got to adjust to maybe not being the same supreme athlete he was as far as going to the basket. Like the bad layup he missed against Memphis, I think he jumped from beyond the dotted line. And I was like, dude, you're not, you're not 24 anymore. Um, but like you said, it's been mostly good. I have to be honest, it's been mostly good. I just, I don't see them. I'm thinking of like, you know, six games against Phoenix, six games against Golden State, um, even Utah. Like, can you rely on him to make good decisions? In long series like that, and I'm, I'm still leaning no on that. Uh, just unfortunately, I, I'm being honest. I'm still leaning no on, on all that stuff. Um, you know, he could prove me wrong. I'd be happy to be wrong, but I'm just. It's this is a whole, you know, decade plus with the playoff appearances, and like recently has been really bad. But the only my only hope is that LeBron and AD knock him down a peg where he's not the first or second option. He's the third option. So. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's just not that much on his plate where he's not in the position to possibly make those mistakes. Um, maybe he gets better. I'm guessing he gets better when AD gets back because then he's – the ball doesn't find him late in these late-game situations like as much as it has, which is I think is putting him in position to fail. That's not who he is anymore. But, yeah, man, I'm just, you know, the my original do not trade for this guy, like I'm feeling that bubble to the top right now. <laughs> So me too. It hasn't bubbled. O- it hasn't bubbled over yet. And the main and the main reason why I would, I'm the main reason why I'm slow to reach that point is because of the total catastrophe that a, a Westbrook trade would be. <laughs> so so like just thinking about that's like, true. That's true. That's the true. Salary filler that the Lakers would get back. You would have to believe in that trade purely as an addition by subtraction to go that route. Now here's the deal. I when I. When I was trying to talk myself into the Westbrook fit to start the season, I centered around the Dennis Schroeder comp because I'm like, okay, here's a relatively inconsistent shooting point guard who is very aggressive to the basket. And in theory, you know, Russ could replicate some of his on-ball defense. Um, The big thing that I like completely miscalculated with that is Dennis for all of his flaws and Dennis wasn't my favorite player that I've ever watched, but Dennis didn't make a ton of mistakes. He on the defensive end always did his job. 
you could count on him to be where he was supposed to be, whether it was on the ball or off the ball. And then on offense, he was very reserved to only attack in specific matchups, especially at the end of games. And just in general, like I can't even think off the top of my head of a specific moment last year where he made a critical late game mistake. Now I'm sure there were, but we already have several loud mistakes from Westbrook this season in those situations. And so my, my concern is like I sent out a poll today and it (laughs) damn near was 50, 50. Um, Yeah. I saw that. (laughs) Just asking about the fit. And I think Russell Westbrook is a much better basketball player than Dennis Schroeder was. But what concerns me with this fit is I think when specifically when you're the third guy, it's so much more critical that you don't screw things up than than in another position. And what scares me is like Maples, him losing uh, him, him losing Patty Mills on Christmas Day at the end of that game. That's not related to Anthony Davis and him being in a tertiary role. That's just that's him true, not paying that, attention. Yeah. Him, yeah. him, him pushing the ball in transition against Memphis, that same play could happen in a clutch playoff game, even if AD and LeBron are on the floor, because you want Russ to push the ball in transition. I fear that his decision-making could be fatal in that type of environment. And and that gets me to the point where, where like if, it, if he can't show strides in that specific department where I would start to contemplate whether or not addition by subtraction would be sensical, if that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, and all this, in my opinion, and all this, in my opinion, is like, it's just bloviating ropes because they're, they're, they're not going to trade. Me, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't think they are. The only time on reason I think they would trade him is like, if it was like the, the Ben Simmons deal came up, but that like Philly's not trading at all the trades they turned down. Philly's not going to trade him for Russell Westbrook. Right. So I, I don't think he's getting traded. So I think it's a matter of, you know, putting Westbrook in the best position to succeed. And I think a lot of that is going to have to, a lot's going to be on, you know, the five that Frank puts out there. Like you can't play him with THT. You know what I mean? You can't play him with DeAndre and AD at the same time. You know what I mean? It's like, mm-hmm. you got to really pay attention with who he's on the court with to, to put him in the best position to, to succeed. And I will say this Westbrook, he's still like, even this with all the, the bad plays and the whatever, he's been a top five playmaker in basketball. Like his high quality assist numbers and his shot creation, it's still at the tip top of the league. So I will give him credit for that. So like that, that that's a good thing he's done. Like he's helped a lot of guys um, get a lot of good looks. We just, you know, we want that and then want to eliminate the the crucial error. And I think we, we had got something like that's feasible for playoff basketball. So, I mean, a lot of it is against his, his nature. So it was kind of hoping against hope, but I just want to do point out that that is something good that he's done. He's still one of the five best playmakers in basketball this season. Oh, like, absolutely. Literally, absolutely. Like, the, you know, I think the way that I looked at it was, so Pete from Laker Film Room always talks about the idea of a responsible adults lineup. It's the lineup, <laughs> the lineup that you would go to in a moment where you need guys to execute. And the way I've kind of come to, around to this way of describing Russ, I think he's a fantastic basketball player who is not a responsible adult. <laughs> that, that, that's the way that I look at it because you're right. His, his ability to pressure the rim and create high quality three point shots and drop offs and things like that are in the near, if not the top tier, then the second tier that you'll find in the league. He's just flat out really good at that. So, and then, then you'll watch like a play like, 
those two plays at the end of the game against Memphis in isolation defense against John Morant, who's been lighting us on fire all night, and he gets two crucial stops. And you're like, okay, that looks like one of the better guard defenders in the league. But that inability to trim the fat, that inability to, you know, find a way to replicate what he does well and minimize what he does poorly, to me, is that lack of that responsible adult basketball character. And so what scares me is that big pivotal playoff moment where you've got four responsible adults on the floor. You know, you've got LeBron, Anthony Davis, Trevor Ariza, and call it Austin Reeves. And then you've got this one gigantic wild card in there that at any given moment could go rogue and do something silly. So that that's kind of the, the, the way that I would describe it. But you're right. It's very important to emphasize that there is a ton of good that comes with Russ. The wrinkle here is the bad. And how do you how do you evaluate that? How do you plan for that? How do you prepare for that? And how do you try to coach him or help him to avoid that, if that makes sense? All right, guys. So unfortunately, I have some bad news. We had some technical difficulties with Mr. Maples' phone. No fault of anybody, just some bad New Year's luck. Um, So unfortunately, this conversation got cut short, which was a bummer for me because Maples is one of my favorite guys. I appreciate uh, having him on and I love talking the game with him. But I hope you all have a happy new year and I apologize for the unfortunate circumstances. But we will be back with our normal postgame show on Sunday.